my first initial thought, like when we got the very first email saying don't come back to campus, was thinking like, how am I going to afford my flight back? I'm multimedia editor Jaden Satinstein, and you're listening to Reopening, a student life audio series exploring the experiences of Washington University community members as the school prepares to open for an unprecedented fall semester. Today, we hear from international students. Junior Helen Webley-Brown was headed back to St. Louis on Wednesday, March 11th, after spending the first part of spring break at her sweetmate's home in Los Angeles, California. As her sweetmate's mother drove her to the airport, Webley-Brown received Chancellor Andrew Martin's email saying that the Danforth campus was shutting down. And I just kind of got the email, read it, and I was like, you know, I don't think I should be boarding that plane right now. <laughs> Webley-Brown didn't get on the plane. Back at her sweetmate's house, she deliberated. Fly to her home in London, England, or try to stay in the country? I didn't know for sure if I wanted to go back home, um, just because of obviously the difficulties that I imagined would I would experience trying to get back into the country. Um, but I decided that because I could go home, I probably should take the opportunity to do so. Luckily, Webley Brown said her sweetmate's family was able to purchase her a ticket, and by the end of the weekend, she was back in London. But those concerns over whether or not she could return to the United States only grew as time went on. She planned to come back for the fall and already signed an off-campus apartment lease. But a July 6th directive from Immigration and Customs Enforcement, ICE, only worsened the uncertainty and stress international students faced. Office of International Students and Scholars Associate Director Martha Turner explained. If this whole school went online, then students would have to leave the country immediately or be potentially deported. Um, again, very upsetting and, you know, uh, one couldn't comprehend how you could make a rule that no matter what a student did, they couldn't keep themselves legal through no fault of their own. So that was really a horrific time. Turner and her colleagues immediately wrote to international students, telling them they were working to figure out how the policies may affect them. Three days later, on July 9th, Martin and Provost Beverly Wendland sent an email to the university community expressing the school's support for international students and commitment to providing a hybrid format of instruction this fall. The email also said that Washington University had joined other schools in preparing an amicus brief in support of a Harvard University and Massachusetts Institute of Technology lawsuit challenging the policy. To junior Will Wang from Shanghai, China, the university's emails have been clear and supportive of international students. Well, she has been uh, responsive and like quick in reacting to like the new changes in law and um, um, like, yeah, basically the new changes. And I feel that they are like, you know, caring for students and like um, are responsible for those changes, yeah. But for Webley Brown, those three days of silence from Martin and the administration before responding to the ICE announcement spoke louder than what was said in the email. I can understand wanting to take your time to make decisions and in some, in some circumstances, it's good for you to do that. But like, I'm thinking when the directive comes out, I wanted, you know, two hours after that, I wanted to watch you to just say, we stand by behind our internationals. It could have been a small, simple message like that, and it would have done like a world of good. Fortunately, ICE rescinded the policy less than a week later, which Turner said greatly improved the situation for international students. 
all students, even some of the new students who are required to, to take at least one in-person course, um, are protected. If the university goes fully online, nobody is subject to deportation. So I think um, it was a roller coaster, a terrifying roller coaster. But when the roller coaster ride was done, um, the regulations might not be perfect, but they were much closer to something that students found reasonable. But the revised guidelines haven't eased all concerns. Senior John Ji from Nanjing, China is living in non-university housing off campus, but he worries about future directives disrupting that plan. To me, at least, I feel like in the fall semester, there's still that possibility that there might be something new coming out, which is gonna threaten the um, legal status of us international students staying here. So that's been something like behind, behind my mind, at least, yeah. Junior Rachit Jain from Chennai, India also worries about housing. He successfully requested to live in a residential life managed apartment off campus. Still, he fears a university shutdown could displace him. Just don't kick us out. That's, that's what I ask. And just a little bit of stability is what I need. If they maintain the status quo, great. Just don't kick us out with two days of notice. But some international students aren't coming back this fall. When senior Yuan Chung moved out of his off-campus apartment in the spring to travel back home to Beijing, China, he was forced to wear a protective suit on the plane and quarantine in a hotel for 14 days upon arrival. The only person I saw was the nurse who'd come to take my temperature twice a day. The, yeah, the, the solitude was starting to get to me uh, at around the end of the quarantine, but glad, thankfully I made it through. Chung doesn't want to go through that again. Under current United States government policy, students traveling from China must first spend 14 days in another country before entering the U.S. If somehow uh, a flight connection went south or something, I would get trapped in somewhere I know basically nothing about, and I just don't want to face that kind of situation. So I decided to um, just at least stay in China for the fall. Junior Elaine So from Singapore hoped to come back to campus this fall. But as time went on, she became far less optimistic. I would just like open social media and see people that I knew going to parties or not social distancing and kind of have that hope diminish, um, the hope of returning diminish, um, just because like that coupled with like what I've been hearing in the news um, kind of like cultivated this like inherent distrust that I have for like college students being back on campus. So like I was like a lot more pessimistic about the situation getting better. But So said she never really considered taking online classes from home this fall because of her experience with synchronous Zoom classes in the spring. So I basically was staying up to like 4 a.m. some days. Uh, for school and then some other days I would go to sleep at 2 a.m. and then wake up at 6 a.m. for my next class. Um, so it was really irregular kind of sleeping schedules, um, which I felt like was not the best learning situation for me. This fall, So is studying at Yale and U.S. College, a liberal arts college established by Yale University and the National University of Singapore as a form of study abroad. Because of the less severe spread of COVID-19 in Singapore, So will spend the semester taking in-person classes. Since she's still paying Washington University tuition, she'll retain her F-1 visa status and earn credits towards graduation.
my family is here. Um, so I knew that like, if I had any health complications, I would have um, support and have the necessary uh, help um, that I would need. Um, and then also coupled with the fact that Yale NUS does um, in-person classes, uh, which I think really is what I wanna go to college for to be able to like have open discourse in the classroom. While the international students we spoke with have been able to navigate the obstacles they face to solidify their plans for the fall, these past few months have taken a significant mental toll on some, like Webley Brown. It's, it's hard because you spend, I guess at that point it'd been two years, um, living in a different country, kind of, you know, I pay taxes in this country, um, kind of trying to build another life here. And then you realize like how quickly um, it can just be taken away. Although Webley Brown was strongly considering staying in the U.S. after graduating, that ICE announcement made her feel she'd be treated better in other places. Jane is also rethinking his plans. Earlier, I was hoping to go to grad school in the U.S. as well, but right now I might be reconsidering that decision depending on how the crises and future crises are handled. I may be going to other countries for grad school. That's how it is. Coming up on Reopening, we speak to faculty members about their experiences planning for a hybrid semester, like Drama Professor and Beyond Boundaries Program Director Robert Mark Morgan. You know, I used to wake up from a nightmare. You know, like you have a nightmare and you wake up and you're like, whew, good thing that was a nightmare. And now I kind of wake up into the nightmare. I'm like, oh, wait, it's another day uh, during a global pandemic that we need to, you know, be on guard. For Student Life Media, I'm Jaden Sandstein.